0: Alright, now you're looking at this title going, Stuck in Emmaus. What is that? Well, the place I'm going to t- talk to you about, if you get stuck there, you're in Emmaus. I'm waiting for it to catch. Y'all are Texans, right? So some of you, that's how you would pronounce it anyway. See, I'm in the land where my name has two syllables to some people. Jayef. Jeff. I say, here, so stay, with me, not going to get stuck, get stuck. In, Emmaus. in Emmaus. Now, the same day, now, here, quickly, the, the scenario is this. Jesus is resurrected from the dead. But these two disciples walking on the road to Emmaus don't know it. They are dazed and confused and down and in despair. They are leaving Jerusalem for a little bitty town, outside of town, a suburb called Emmaus. Now, it says in verse 13, that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. So they got a seven-mile walk in front of them. Now, they're talking with each other about everything that had happened. That is, the arrest, the crucifixion, the death and burial of Jesus, and... They will find out soon the resurrection. Now verse 15. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. That tells me our resurrection body is different. In the first service, somebody went, praise God. He said, no more curves, no more spas. So they didn't recognize Jesus coming, walking up next to them as they walked down this road. And he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? Everybody say with me, he's playing dumb. (laughs) Jesus is playing dumb here, because he knows what they're talking about. He's God, but he's playing dumb. And they stood still, their faces downcast. And one of them named Cleopas, Asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and don't know the things that have happened there in these days? And he played dumb again. What things? Now, he was the one they happened to. But he's saying, what things? Playing dumb. Well, he, they said, now they start preaching to Jesus about Jesus. What about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet Powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. I can hear Jesus. I'm watching him walk along, and he's going, amen. Amen. That's who I was. That's who I am. Now, the chief priests and our rulers, they said, handing him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. Here's the one who had gone through it. But we had hoped. Everybody say, we had hoped. Their hopes were dashed. Their hopes were destroyed at this moment we had hoped but it sure didn't turn out like we thought we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem israel and what is more it's the third day since all of this took place and in addition some of our women are spreading rumors now i know that doesn't happen anymore but it happened back then Some of our women have amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, and here's what they're telling us. They're telling us they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels on top of that and said that he was alive. Then some of our companions. Now, we know that Peter went and John went. That's who they're talking about. Went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they didn't see. And then Jesus rebuked them. He said to them, How foolish you are, how slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he began to explain to them everything that was written about him in the scriptures. Jesus began to preach Jesus to his disciples. And as they approached the village to which they were going, Emmaus, Jesus acted as if he was going to keep on going. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them, and when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. And look what happened. Their eyes were open in the breaking of bread. And they recognized him, and poof, he disappeared. He disappeared. Can you imagine? Pass the bread, sure, and the bread's passed and poof. Now you're either having a breakdown or you have seen God. Powerful stuff. And then they turn and ask each other a great question. Well, we know who it was. Now read this with me. It's one of my favorite passages. Were not our hearts burning within us when? While he talked with us on the road and did what? And opened the scriptures to us. And they got up and went back to Jerusalem. Father, thank you for your word today. In Jesus' name, bless it to our hearts. And deliver us from our own Emmauses. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him you're coming out of your Emmaus. <laughs> now, Uh, This is a powerful story. I love the post-resurrection stories of Jesus in the New Testament because so much happened after he rose from the dead. Here's one of them. You got two disciples walking down the road to Emmaus, leaving Jerusalem. One of them's name is Cleopas, and the other one, we never know who he was. He was Cleopas's unknown companion. These two men we not a part of the inner core. They were not a part of the 12 disciples. They were not a part of the inner three. They were not a part of the 70 that went out and cast out devils and healed the sick that we know of. But guess what, everyone? They were important to Jesus. Those who are considered nobodies are somebodies to him. Now, what placed them on the road to Emmaus was an explosion of tragic events. Ending with the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. All of a sudden, their Messiah, their Savior, their leader, their hero, who had walked on water, raised the dead, out-debated the best debaters in Israel. No man could get the best of him. He always seemed to be in charge, always in control, always escaping danger. Yet all of a sudden... The protection was lifted and they took him and they arrested him, took him through kangaroo court, accused him of things he had not done, lied about him, whipped him and beat him beyond recognition, all while these two watched. They watched their hopes beat up, their dreams beat up, and they watched their future crucified. They did not understand what Jesus had said about rising from the dead. They did not get it. They did not understand it till the day of Pentecost when the Spirit fell and opened up their eyes. So what placed them on the road to Emmaus was a series of tragic events that blew their minds, shattered their faith, sent them reeling, and they did not understand what had taken place. Have you ever noticed that some of the saddest words in our language begin with the letter D? Have you ever thought about that? Let me give you a few, and these words I'm going to name typify the emotions these Emmaus Road travelers were experiencing. Here's a few D words. Disappointment, doubt, disillusionment, defeat, discouragement, despondency, depression, and despair. There's a few. And you know what? I wish I could tell you that believers... We're immune to these, but they're not. We all have times when life happens and we don't understand. When life hits up, us upside the head, and what we thought was going to happen doesn't, and what we were hoping for doesn't take place. What our faith was reaching out for seems to elude us, and life comes crashing down, and our faith is major league challenged, and wavers, and teeters, and totters, And that's what was happening with these two disciples on the road to Emmaus. All these emotions were beating them down. They were in despair. And only days before life had appeared so incredibly promising. Storms don't tell you they're coming. They hit. Storms don't tell you a week ahead of time they're going to knock on your door. They just come in. Just a few days before all of these events These two men had become avid followers of the life-changing, inspiring, wonder-working, water-walking Jesus of Nazareth, always in charge, always under control. Yet now the inconceivable had happened. Their dreams were dashed. Their hopes were broken. Their leader was dead, as far as they knew. And they were fleeing Jerusalem, dazed and confused. Emmaus, this little town seven miles outside of Jerusalem, represented a place of safety from the storm, a place of calm away from the turmoil. You've had an Emmaus. I've had an Emmaus. They went there to get out of Dodge, to escape the pain, to lick their wounds, clear their head, find their equilibrium again, to get a grip. And when I read about them, i got to tell you, there have been many times in my life when... I longed and looked for and sometimes went to an Emmaus place, a place called Emmaus. And everybody in this room experiences from time to time the desire to flee to a place called Emmaus, a place where we're protected, where it's not bloody, where it doesn't hurt, where there's no more disillusionment, where we feel safe, where we feel like we're in a cocoon, where we are protected from what's been happening around us, where we can withdraw. King David was having an Emmaus impulse there's no doubt about it in Psalms 55 4 to 8 listen to the message bible David says my insides are turned inside out specters of death have, have me down I shake with fear I shudder from head to foot get me out of here on dove wings we would say give me a ticket to fly I want some peace and quiet. I want to walk in the country. I want a cabin in the woods. I'm desperate for a change from rage and stormy weather. Oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. These disciples had seen enough, heard enough, experienced enough pain. They were hurting from head to foot. And they said, oh, that I had wings like a dove. I may not have wings, but I got feet. I'm getting out of dodge. Now, there's nothing wrong with going to a place called Emmaus. As a matter of fact, I would recommend it. Everybody needs to go to an Emmaus place from time to time to to get a fresh word from God, to sort through your feelings, to rejuvenate, to get back in touch with the Lord and get into his word. Everybody needs an Emmaus place. But the word God has put on my heart today, I know this for people who are listening right now here, but also by radio, because something has happened in the body of Christ, A lot of people have been hurt in Jerusalem. You see, Jerusalem is where God was moving. Jerusalem is where he was crucified. Jerusalem is where Jesus had taught and done miracles and wonders and signs. Jerusalem was the epicenter of what God was doing. And because of that, Jerusalem was the place of warfare. And it was the place of pain. And it was where you got bloodied up in your spiritual warfare and in your fight for righteousness, in the good fight. Jerusalem is when you are in the middle of the will of God. Jerusalem is the place of obedience. It's the place where there is anointing, but it's also the place of attack, where your faith is assaulted and where at times you feel just like these guys, in despair, in disillusionment, hurt, bleeding, wounded, and looking for a way out. I understand that, but something has happened in the body of Christ There has been an exodus exodus out of Jerusalem and a lot of people are sitting in Emmaus and because they're in Emmaus and don't plan on coming out, they're in Emmaus. See, there is a subtle danger to Emmaus. And here's the danger to Emmaus. Nothing wrong with going there temporarily, but here's the danger. It's the danger of staying there. It's the danger of building a house there. It's the danger of not returning to the fight. It's getting used to Zion. It's getting used to the lazy boy. It's getting used to being comfortable and protected and insulated and out of the front line of warfare. It's getting used to taking your ease. In Zion, walking away from God's high will, getting too comfortable being out of battle. It it is getting used to not being on the battle line. When a person goes to the hospital, they know they won't stay. Nobody goes to the hospital to stay. They know it's going to be a temporary place because you know what it is? A hospital is a temporary place of healing, and that's what Emmaus is supposed to be. You're only supposed to be there temporarily, listening, listening to God getting back in touch with God yeah this is the danger of Emmaus some stay there they build their home there they find a church there oh there's churches in Emmaus oh yeah they're filled with people of a similar testimony as yours I got hurt I got confused I got disillusioned and so I have come to Emmaus and I like it so much I think I'm gonna stay you might know the church is called the first church of the assembled quitters And it's easy to find at the intersection of Burned Out Boulevard and Easy Street. And you can go in there with everybody who's gotten out of the battle, gotten out of the fight. And they're there just to remain insulated and comfortable and protected and safe until Jesus comes again. They had all that fun they can stand. They don't plan on getting hurt again. But can I tell you something? Jesus wants to give you beauty for your ashes. He wants to give you the oil of joy for your mourning. He wants to give you the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. He's calling you back onto the front lines, back into the battle. I'm talking to somebody today. You can't stay in Emmaus the rest of your life. You've got to come out. You've got to draw near to him. If you get hit with another bullet, he's going to be there to heal you. If you get hit with another arrow, he's going to take it out and heal your soul. Anything you experience in the negative, he's going to turn it for your good. Don't stay in Emmaus. The Bible reveals that many who had followed Jesus gradually began to scatter after his crucifixion and they had the pain of watching him die and they didn't understand what was going on circumstances were beyond their ability ability to grasp and so because they were dazed and confused and hurting even simon peter said i'm going back to what i used to do i'm going fishing i'm out of this and a lot of the disciples followed him now they didn't catch anything and can i give you some news today you don't catch much in emmaus You may be insulated, you may be comfortable, you may be out of the front line of battle, but you're not going to catch much. There's not much going on in Emmaus. Everybody's playing a violin there, but nobody's catching anything. Jesus came to them there in their Emmaus and said, Children, have you any meat? And they said, We didn't catch a thing all night long. He said, Obey me again, and I'm going to show you what it is to fish. You cast your net over there. They cast their net and brought in such a great drought of fish, it was breaking their net, and they had to ask for help. And what was Jesus saying? It's time to get out of Emmaus and get back into Jerusalem where the action is. You're not called to sit, soak, and sour on a church pew. I think I'm going to preach a little bit today. I want you to know we've been called to the good fight. And we want to be able to say, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course and I have kept the faith. I didn't get out of the battle. I stayed in it and I gave the devil a black eye before I went home to Jesus. I'm not going to get out. I'm in. I'm in to stay and I'm going to make my life count. And I'm going to hear on that day, well done, thou good and faithful servant. These two Emmaus Road disciples may have done the same. They may have disappeared into Emmaus forever had it not been for this unusual visitor who sidled up next to them and said, what's wrong, guys? And I want to pull some things out of this story because, you know, there's people right now in this room listening to me that are hurting very badly. You haven't gone anywhere geographically, but on the inside of you, you have withdrawn into your own little Emmaus. You are insulated. You are cocooned. You, you, have, you have protected yourself with a shield around you. You won't let anybody in. You will not get back out there and put your heart on the line for the things of God. You have been hurt. And though you're here, part of you isn't because part of you is in a place called Emmaus. And some of you that are listening to me right now by radio that are not in here, you're out of church, out of the things of God, and I've got a word for you. There's nothing in Emmaus for you. Let the Lord heal you up and get out of there. We need you. The church needs you. It's time to fight, not withdraw. In the name of Jesus, come out! Now watch. I want you to notice something about Jesus. He came to them in their pain and in their confusion. He knew what was hurting them. Here they are walking down this road. They had just been following him. They didn't understand everything he said. They didn't understand the resurrection. But they were following him to the best of their ability and got crushed doing it. And so they're walking down this road. And Jesus did not leave them the way they were. And he's not going to leave you the way you are. He's giving me this message right now for some of you. He's walking right up to you through this message. And he's saying, I'm calling you back. Preacher, some of you used to preach. He's calling you back. He's with you in your pain. He approached them. and says, as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus came and walked along with them. You know what I've found in life? That when I go through the toughest roads that life can hand me, that's when Jesus draws especially close. I mean, when I've really been hurting, really crushed, really shattered, that's when my Savior, can I brag on Jesus just for a minute today? That's when my Savior has come up to me, gotten right next to me, and said, What's wrong, Jeff? Talk to me about it. Hear this today, whatever you're facing right now, whatever you're going through, Jesus is with you. The Bible says in Isaiah 43 verse 1, when you walk through the waters, I will be with you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. When you walk through the flowing rivers, you will not drown. For I am the Lord your God, and I have redeemed you by your name, and I will not leave you. My mark is on your forehead, on your soul, on your life. I can no more deny you than I can deny myself. I have not left you in your pain. I'm walking into your Emmaus. I've come up to you on the side of the road, and I'm talking to you. Jesus said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. I believe the resurrected Jesus approached these two men because he didn't want them staying in Emmaus. Their destinies awaited in Jerusalem. The day of Pentecost was days away in Jerusalem. The life-changing, power-imparting Holy Spirit was about to be poured out in Jerusalem. And if they had stayed in Emmaus, they'd have missed it all because the Holy Spirit wasn't poured out in Emmaus. It was poured out in Jerusalem. And when the devil backs you into a corner and tells you to quit and give up and sit, soak, and sour, you've had all that fun. You can stand. He's really trying to keep you from what God's about to do. He's about to keep you from it. He's trying to hedge you in and box you in and get you to quit right before a great blessing falls on your life. I'm prophesying to somebody today. I want you to know something big is just around the corner. Something strong is coming your way. Don't you dare quit. Let Jesus find you holding up the flag of faith. Jesus didn't want them leaving the fight. Or missing the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that was about to... Can you imagine if you'd have been them and stayed in Emmaus and finding out that just a few miles down the road, you missed the pouring out of the Holy Spirit and the birthday of the church? These two disciples did three things that assured that Emmaus would only be a temporary detour, not a permanent dwelling. And I want you to say these with me, would you? They poured out their hearts to him. they received the word from him and they fellowshiped with him let me talk about the first one they poured out their hearts to him there is a reason jesus played dumb when he walked up to them on the road and said what things you know what his reason was he wanted them to pour out their hearts to him he wanted them to tell him what he they were experiencing The Bible says, Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Psalm 62 8. Why do we love the Psalms? Because what are the Psalms? They are David pouring out his heart to God. His anger, his confusion, his perplexity, his disappointments, his disillusionment, his doubts. Why do we go to the Psalms when we're hurting? Because we identify with this man who poured out his heart to God. Can I tell you something today, church? There's nothing you can tell God that's going to make him say, Well, I didn't know that. Well, Pastor Jeff, if I really told God what was on my heart, no telling what he'd do. He already knows what's on your heart. He already knows what you're thinking. The Bible says he understands your thoughts from far away. Before you speak a word, he already knows what you're going to say. So when you say, Lord, I'm having a doubt issue, he doesn't turn to Jesus and say, what are we going to do? He knew what you were going to say before you said it. He knows what's in your heart right now. He's already got an x-ray on you and me. The Holy Spirit has already communicated to him everything that is inside of us. Who knows what's going on in a man but the spirit that is in a man, the Bible says. And the Holy Spirit is in you and me. And he has already communicated to the Lord everything that's in your heart and my heart. And, you know, we've got to get to the place where we are willing to pour out our hearts to him. As believers, we're told this, casting all your care upon him. All your care upon him. For he cares for you. The Bible says in Psalms fifty-five twenty-two: roll your burden upon the Lord. And he will sustain you. He will never suffer the righteous to be moved. David said over and over again, I went to the Lord, I told the Lord, I sought the Lord, and he delivered me of all of my fears. How did the Lord deliver him if he didn't tell him what his fears were? They poured out their heart to him, all the disillusionment, all of the hurt, all of the pain, all of their dashed hopes, all of their disappointed dreams. They gave all of it to Jesus on the road to Emmaus. Have you had that kind of talk with him today? A young lady came up to me after the first service and she said, just recently, I was in ICU from trying to commit suicide and it almost succeeded. And I said, have you ever poured out your heart to God? And she began to weep and tears dripped down her face, standing right in this altar after the first service. She said, I've never done that. I said, would you do it now? Would you just tell him what's in you now? Don't keep it from him now. Those things that took you to a hospital bed and almost took your life, he wants to hear about it. He wants to know about it. There's nothing that you can tell him that will shock him. Tell daddy God everything. That's what they did. Today, you might be hurting. You might be angry with God. You might feel dirty and unable to look to God. Your heart might not not be able to trust him today. But the Bible reminds us that his shed blood paved the way for us to come boldly to the throne of grace. Hear me today, church. Because of that blood of Jesus, we have a bridge to God. Can I tell you something today? God built a bridge with two pieces of wood. In a natural bridge, it takes hundreds of planks going from one place to another. But the great chasm between earth and heaven, that great distance was was spanned by two pieces of wood. One going up and one going sideways. The one going up vertical, reaching up to God. The one going sideways, reaching out to man. And when you walk across that bridge, the bridge of the cross, two pieces of wood... You will find that you have gone from death to life, from hopelessness to hope, from lost to found, from being distant from Him to being joined to Him. Thank God for that blood bridge. His shed blood made the way for you and I to go boldly to the throne of grace. Use that bridge. Use it today. Use it tomorrow. When you mess up, if you've got something on your heart, use that bridge and walk across that bridge. It begins on earth and it ends in heaven. Walk across it. And you'll find that he'll hear you and take your depression and your pain and your hurt and he will begin to minister to you on the inside. Here's the principle. It's very difficult to get a word from God until you've poured out your heart to God. And this is what they did. It says after they poured it all out to him, after he said what things? It says they opened up their heart to his word. Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. The way to inner healing is to pour out your heart before him and then open up your heart to him by listening to his word. I can't tell you how many times in my own life I have fallen down before God in despair and pain and shattered and poured my heart out to him. Hours on end sometimes, but when I'm done pouring my heart out to him, I am able to receive from him the word of God because his word is like a dry dead leaf falling off a tree onto a placid still pond. I used to watch this. There was a little pond in our backyard and I would watch a leaf when it was totally calm and placid. A dead dry almost weightless leaf would fall and bloop hit that thing and the ripples would span out you see your spirit and your soul need to be calm like that pond and the only way to get yourself calm is pour your heart out to the lord and then the word comes that still small voice and hits that calmness of your soul and the lord says this is the way walk ye in it this is what i'm telling you to do listen to me and walk in it and you're able to hear and receive the word because you poured out your heart to him The effect on these two men was immediate. Once they had gotten it all out and received his word, they said, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? From discouraged hearts to burning hearts, downcast souls to uplifted souls, from dashed hopes to renewed hopes. It all changed in a prayer. Why are you disquieted oh my soul and why are you disquieted within me why are you downcast oh my soul and why are you disquieted within me hope thou in god for you will yet praise him for the health of his countenance and his and your god he is the health of your countenance and he's going to see you through it in your Emmaus experience when you're hurt and you're walking away and you're wanting to get healed up and you don't know what you're going to do or where you're going to go Be sure you take Jesus with you and don't go alone into Emmaus. You may not come out. Be sure you take Jesus with you. It says, they urged him strongly, stay with us for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. Folks, listen. If ever there was a day, we ought to be saying to Jesus, stay with us. Because it's almost evening, Lord. Stay with us. The day is almost over. Night comes when no man can work. Jeremiah said the shadows of the evening are lengthening. The world is growing darker as we sit here today. Sinners are growing harsher. The evil is growing stronger. And his return is growing nearer. And unlike some churches throughout the land we read about, who are throwing the Bible out and throwing the blood out and saying, you can get there any old way. I want to be one who says, Lord, stay with us. Stay with us. Stay with us in our Emmaus experience of pain and confusion. Don't let us be deceived by this world, but oh Lord, in this Emmaus experience, if we ever needed you, we need you now. Stay with us, Lord. Let this be a church that shines and lights up the whole world. Let this be a church that holds to the word of God and holds to the blood and holds to salvation and holds to the one and only unique Messiah of the world, Jesus Christ, that holds to the message. There is no other way, no other road but Jesus. And you need right now in your pain to say, oh Lord, whatever takes place, stay with me. And finally, they fellowshiped with him. They poured out their hearts to him. They received the word from him. But then they fellowshiped with him. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open and they recognized him. The breaking of bread, like they were doing right there, with someone else in the Bible was always a picture of fellowship. He said, well, Pastor, what is the difference between Pouring your heart out to him, receiving the word from him and fellowshipping with him. Big difference. Kathy and I, I can say to Kathy, man, I'm I'm really experiencing some confusion or some pain here, and we can we talk all the time, we share each other's problems and troubles, and I can I can share with her my cares. That's one thing. And then I can receive something she says to me as far as advice or counsel. She does that all the time. But it's entirely another thing when I say Let's go out. Let's go spend some time together. I can pour my heart out to her. I can receive from her. But then I can fellowship with her. And that means spending quality time. Do you know the Lord wants to be your friend? He wants to be more than a 911 God or a flat tire God. Oh, Lord, i got a flat. Help me. Some, some people, the only time God ever heals, hears from them is when they're in trouble. I'm in jail again. Lord, if you just get me out this time, how many times have you said that? The reason you're back in jail is because you didn't fellowship with him in between your stays. <laughs> what is the old song? I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. And the voice I hear, falling on my ear, the Son of God discloses. And he walks with me, he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own. Edit that out. It leaves my part. Listen, that song's talking about fellowship. Enoch walked with God, and he was not. It's one thing to dump your cares on him, and you need to. It's another thing to let the Word feed you, and you need to. But then it needs to go one more step. Fellowship with him. Before you walk out that door where the devil and the world are going to greet you, say, Lord, today, be my friend, be my companion. Walk with me. Let me fellowship with you all day long. Help me to practice the presence of God no matter where I am. I want to get to know you in fellowship. Can we stand together today? When they poured out their hearts to him and received the word from him and fellowshiped with him, before you knew it, instead of on the road to Emmaus, they were on the road out of Emmaus. And just days later, they were there when the power fell. Don't you want to be there in the thick of what God is doing? Even if you get shot at, I want to pray for the healing of people. And then, listen carefully to me. Boy, I'll tell you, if there was ever a day where you need a church home, it's now. to get planted, to plant your life, to say, this is where I'm going to call home. I'm going to plant myself right here and I'm going to make this my, my church home. This is my church family. This